0: Good evening and welcome to the Spirit and Life Bible Study. My name is Jonathan. Our reader is Bill tonight and our topic is Father Abraham. I want to talk about the figure of Abraham in the Old Testament who is also mentioned in the New Testament. In fact, he's mentioned uh, 280 times in Scripture. He's an important figure and part of what we'll be looking at is how often he's referred to as Father And what that means. He's referred to as father by people who are, you know, someone who is his son. He's also referred to as father by his grandsons and total strangers and people thousands of years later. And so what what does that mean? So we'll have a look at Abraham tonight. And if you're willing to join us on that journey, please do, good friends. Let's open with a prayer. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we thank you for gathering us together in your name. Please help us as we open the pages of your word. We wish to know who you are, Lord, and what the language is in which this word is written, the language of the heart. Amen. Amen. Great pleasure to be with you, good friends. Sending love to those of you who are online and on the phone from Canada, here in the room, and getting the audio podcast And I thank the Lord for being able to do another Bible study tonight. And uh, Father Abraham, Father Abraham. uh, It's interesting that uh, there's talk about Abraham's father. So I think that's actually where we'll start. Let's go to Genesis all the way in the beginning of your Bible. And look at uh, Genesis chapter 11. And we'll start with verse... 27 Uh, I Was always struck by these passages in Genesis 12 where Abraham is called to leave his When when he's younger his name is Abram without the H.A. and uh, He was called to leave his father's house This is a big deal that he has to leave His father's house and the land of his birth and all that but when I read this recently the story goes a little differently than I thought. Let's have a look at this, starting in 1127.
1: This is the genealogy of Teran. Teran begot Abram, Nahor, and Haram. Haran begot Lot. And Haran died before his father, Tehran, in his native land, in Ur of the Chardians. Then Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sari in the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Ishka. But Sari was barren, and she had no child. And Taran took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sari, his son Abram's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chatelines to go to the land of Canaan, and there came to Haran and dwelt there. So the days of Teran were 250 years, and Teran died in Haran. Okay, now that is
0: Abram's father. And uh, so what I hadn't realized... See, there was really two different places that Abram lived. He started out in Ur of the Chaldees there, which is all the way over in Babylonia. And... uh, uh, how Abram left Ur of the Chaldees is that his father took him. I was always interested in, well, wait, wasn't he called out of his father's house? But his father took him. I also somehow vaguely thought, based on nothing, that somehow, you know, Abram uh, traveled into the, the land of Canaan where his descendants would one day be. And then he met Sarai and, you know, and they get together and all this. No. They marry all the way back where he started. They're already married before they even leave. So the father and Abram and his wife all leave from Ur of the Chaldees and they travel around the Fertile Crescent. And it's also weird that Abram has a brother, Haran. And Haran dies before they ever take this trip. And so they travel and they go through the Fertile Crescent and they land in a place called Haran. It's named... The Bible's weird, isn't it? You know, like they tra- <laughs> Haran dies, so they travel this long, long way to get into the land of Canaan, and they settle in a place called Haran. Uh, and Terah, his father, dies there in Haran. And so I just didn't have that picture in my head of the whole family at the father's behest, Abram's father, setting out from Ur the Chaldees to get all the way over to. Haran. Okay, now let's look at the first few verses here of chapter 12, because this is what I did remember.
1: Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. So
0: I understood after reading that, that oh, he he's talking about leaving Haran, you know, the second place that the father and he and his wife lived and all that stuff where his father died. Said, Get out of the second place. You know. It's just The plot is always thicker than, than you think in Scripture. And what is going to happen when he gets out of there? So it's interesting that it emphasizes that it's his father's house that he's supposed to leave. And then what in verses 2 and 3?
1: I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed.
0: All the families of the earth, Father Abraham. Now, we haven't heard him called that yet, but he does get called that, as you'll see. And all the families of the earth will be blessed. All the families. It doesn't say some of them, right? All the families of the earth will be blessed uh, in Abraham. Okay. Okay. Now uh, have a look at Genesis chapter 17, so we'll be sort of swinging to the right here as we go, and um, uh, look at the first verses, like start with 17 verse 1, and we'll just go down a few verses there.
1: When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. Oh, and I'm sorry, I'm
0: going to interrupt again just to say that there was another thing that I always pictured somehow about being called out of his father's house that maybe Abram was a teenager or something like that. Um, he he was uh, 75 years old uh, when he was called to leave his father's house. So uh, he mar- married a long time. You know, like the whole story was just different than, you know, I, I was thinking. So here he is now. He's, nine, uh, what does it say, 99, right? Yep, He's 99. 99 years old, and God appears to him, and go on.
1: And I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. Mm. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked to him with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Oh, a
0: father. He'll be a father of of many, He'll leave his father's house, and now he's going to be a father of many nations. And then he changes his name.
1: No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations.
0: Huh. And he says that the reason he's going to be called Abraham is because he's going to be a father of many nations. This might be a good time to mention that uh, I'm not going to write it in Hebrew, nor could I write at the moment. Uh, but the first part of Abraham's name, that Abraham, the A-B there, uh, means father. And the Raham means of multitudes. He's the father of multitudes. So the strange thing is when you call Abraham, Father Abraham, as we'll see later, you're calling him Father, Father of multitudes. Father, Father. He's Av- Avraham, or something, the, the, you know, Father Abraham. So, Father is not just sort of extraneous to Abraham, it's built into his name. His old name, Avram, uh, meant just Father of height, or something like that. Uh, but Avraham is father of multitudes. He gets that H in there, which Swedenborg says corresponds to eternity. It's sort of living the breath and so on. And he's called that specifically because he's going to be a father of multitudes. And as you may remember, um, we talked about it last time we met, I think that, that uh, this is problematic because Sarai is, is barren, right? Like she's, you know, She's getting on in years and she hasn't had children and, and uh, so this is a problem. And so she gives her handmaid to Abraham and he they, uh, has Ishmael, who is one of his sons, and then his own son is um, Isaac. And then later he marries a woman named Keturah and has some more children by her. Um, so a f- a father of multitudes and this name Abraham is in there. Let's have a look at some passages that talk about fa- father... Abraham shall we let's go to Genesis 26 see if it comes up there oh this is interesting okay so this is Isaac who's his son we'll get there in a bit but this is Isaac who is his son and the Lord appears to Isaac and in 26 verse 3 what do we see there the Lord is appearing to Isaac and he says
1: dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you for to you and your, and your descendants, I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father.
0: Abraham your father. Now there's nothing weird about that. Abraham is his father. Uh, but there's a reason why Abraham is called the father. And you notice part of the promise is that he's going to get this land. Abraham was promised a land, and now it passes on to Isaac as well. Let's look at verse 4 there.
1: And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all of these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed.
0: That same idea, the blessing. And why is that in verse 5?
1: Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws.
0: That's right. So there was an obedience in there. This is Abraham's obedience. That's why this is, he's going to be a blessing. Uh, look at verse 15 uh, in that same chapter.
1: Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they had filled them with the earth.
0: Okay, so Abraham his father, but it says father twice in there. That, that's still perfectly normal. Isaac is his son. And then you see down in verse 18, is, again they talk about Abraham his father, and that he called them the names that his father had called them at the end of the verse there, right? Mm-hmm. And then down in verse uh, 24, the Lord appears to him again. And how does the Lord introduce himself?
1: And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham.
0: Your father Abraham, yep.
1: Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake.
0: That's right. Okay, now look at chapter 28. Okay, 28 verse 4 just reiterates this idea of the land, that they're going to inherit this land, and that becomes meaningful too. So, 28 verse
1: 4. And give you the blessings of Abraham, to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham.
0: That's right. And then look at uh, verse 10. Now, ja- okay, now Jacob, now Isaac has a son, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Jacob is what? He's the grandson, right? If he's the son of the son of Abraham, then he's the grandson. Okay, so look
1: at verse 10 there. Now Jacob went out from -er Beershepa and went toward Haran. Oh, the same place. Hmm. Okay, go ahead. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it on his head and he lay down in that place to sleep.
0: Mm. Go on.
1: Then he dreamed and behold a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it.
0: (laughs) This is uh, Jacob's ladder, the dream of his ladder and listen how the
1: Lord introduces himself to Jacob. And behold the Lord stood above it and said I am the Lord God of Abraham your father. Your father? Abraham wasn't his father. And the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie will give I will give to you and your descendants. Yeah, so it's being reiterated to the next generation, but it's
0: interesting that Abraham hasn't stopped being the father, even though this is the next generation. Abraham's still the father. Like the word father sticks to Abraham like glue somehow in these these stories. Uh, Look at 32, Genesis 32. And, uh, and uh, listen to what Jacob says in verse 9 here. He prays to the Lord.
1: Then Jacob said, Oh, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac. Oh, he's got two fathers? He's God of my father Abraham, God of my father
0: Isaac. Like the, the father label still, he never becomes a grandfather. You never see Abraham called a grandfather. He, he's just his fa- father Abraham. And there's a reason for that that we'll get to, I hope. Yes, okay, so that's all I wanted to see in there real quick. And look at 48, Genesis 48. Um, and this is when Jacob, his, his name gets changed too. He becomes Israel. And late in his life, uh, he's blessing his children, including Joseph. And in verses 15 and 16 there, what does he say?
1: And he blessed Joseph and said... God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. So fathers,
0: plural. Just my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. (laughs) Abraham just can't get rid of that label father. That's right. Go on.
1: The God who has fed me all of my life long to this day. Mm, That's moving. Mm -hmm. The angel who who has redeemed me from all evil. Bless the lads. Let my name be upon them in the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth.
0: Yes, and you could say that, um, uh, okay, father means ancestor, or you know, and it, and it does. It can be used that way. But Swedenborg says there's a particular reason why father is used so much and why it's used so much of Abraham in specific. Of all fathers, he's sort of the ultimate father, and father's built right into his name. Go to the right and to Exodus, the next book that comes up, to chapter 3. You may remember a story of Moses now, and in uh, chapter 2, verse 1, it talks about his parents, and they are completely anonymous. Moses' parents are a man of the house of Levi, and he took a wife who was a daughter of Levi. You know, they're, just, they're, they're from the tribe of Levi. That's all you ever find out about them. They, they're not named. And then uh, look in 3. So this is the famous story of the burning bush. Moses is out in the wilderness, and he sees this bush that's on fire, and he turns aside to see it, and the Lord calls to him, and finally the Lord announces himself in verse 6, and what does he say? Say,
1: Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Well, which... The, if I, I'm the God of your... His father's never even been named in the,
0: which... Father, do you, is it the fa, is it, is the father Abraham? Father's there in this verse together uh, with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So even for Moses, which is a long time later, uh, Abraham is still associated with the word father. Uh, look at um, verse 15 in that same chapter when he tells. Moses, what to say to the children of Israel? What, what, what is he supposed to say to them?
1: Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations.
0: So so for all the children of Israel, the fathers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those, those are their fathers... And uh, turn to the right now and go through Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, and you'll get to Joshua, and we're going all the way back in Joshua to chapter 24. Okay, now Joshua takes over from Moses after he died, and there's an interesting little speech that he gives to the, the children of Israel. Look at the beginning, the first few verses of chapter 24 there, verses 1 to 3.
1: Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord thy God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Interesting. So this is all the way back to Abram's father
0: and his, and his, uh, and his brother, Nahor, right? And it says, your fathers including the, all these fathers, and then what does it say about them? They served other gods. The people who lived on the other side Uh, lived and served other gods. And then what does it say?
1: Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all of the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac.
0: Yes, gave him Isaac. And so your father Abraham, like, you know, we're hundreds of years later now at this point. This is father Abraham. That's who he is still father, you know, father of multitudes. He's the father, and so it's really interesting, isn't it, that for a while there in the story, it looks like he can't have children or, or whatever. You know, the father thing takes a while to get get started, but, uh, but it succeeds uh, wildly uh, with all these descendants that he has, and it's of interest to in what we're talking about that part of the way Swedenborg explains the meaning of terra versus Abram and leaving your father's house, what that really means, the way Sweetmore explains it, is it didn't it just say that Terah and Nahor, they and Abram himself, they were idolaters. They worshipped, they were in idol worship. That's what Abram's father's house was. And Abram was called out of idolatry to a monotheism, you know, to, to worship the living God and, and that's why he, you sort of reset what the father is with Abram. You know, he, he becomes the father of everything that comes down from there because it has to do with, with worship. You know, it's not just sort of a lineage or a genealogy thing or something. It has to do with the way people worship. So there used to be one father that had to do with terror and idolatry, But that's why he was supposed to leave the land, leave his father's house, leave the whole way that the father did things and come into this different thing of worshiping God. And uh, and that that's the sense in which he's the father of multitudes. Okay. Oh, let's go into the middle of your Bible. If you get to the Psalms and things like that, turn to the right and get to Isaiah. And let's go to Isaiah chapter 51. Now we're way later, we're into the prophets. And Isaiah's prophecies are so often sort of obscure and difficult to understand. Uh, But look at Isaiah chapter 51, those first three verses there.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, right. That's good. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Hmm. Look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who bore you, for I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him.
0: Huh. So it's saying to everybody this is a prophet way later who's saying, everybody's descended from. Abraham and Sarah. Sarai had her name changed too. So these are the same people we we're, were reading about just a little ago in uh, Genesis 11 and 12. So Abraham is your father. You know, Sarah is your mother. Sarah bore you. And, um, and look at what it says in verse 3.
1: The Lord shall comfort, will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Mm. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody.
0: Beautiful prophecy. So things hadn't necessarily gone so terribly well, but Isaiah is prophesying, no, there's a bright future. It's going to be beautiful. And to get there, you need to look to your father, Abraham. We're not done with the Abraham thing yet, says Isaiah. Uh, that's very, very interesting to me. Um, However, there's one interesting little wrinkle here if you go to Isaiah 63. And this is what uh, Isaiah has someone saying here. 63 verse 16. To God, you say this.
1: Doubtless, you are my, our father.
0: You are our Not Abraham. Though Abraham you are our father.
1: Yeah, though Abraham was ignorant of us. And Israel does not acknowledge us. Mm. You, O you, oh Lord, are our father. Our Redeemer from everlasting is your name.
0: Yeah, so it says, so Abraham may not know you. Uh, Israel doesn't acknowledge you. You know, you know, like you might trace the lineage back and say, oh, Abraham's our father. Or our fathers are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But he said, well, no, really, the Lord is your father. You know, Abraham may not acknowledge you, uh, may, may be ignorant of you, Israel may not acknowledge you, but the, the Lord is our father. He's, he's our Redeemer, and his name is from everlasting. So that's just an interesting wrinkle on all these father passages, makes you think a little bit. Let's go to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Matthew, by turning to the right, and we'll get to Matthew chapter 3 in there. And now this is in the New Testament, and here comes John the Baptist, who's preparing the way for the Lord. Uh, Let's read verse 2, because that's so basic. This is the first thing he says in his teaching. Which chapter? Oh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 3, verse 2.
1: And saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand.
0: This is John the Baptist's message, isn't it? message of repentance. And then look, and he is telling everybody they need to uh, do fruits, do, you know, do actions that are worthy of repentance. And then look at verses 9 to 11 right there.
1: And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say unto you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from those stones.
0: Wow. Okay. So people are coming to John the Baptist and he's baptizing them. But he says, don't, don't use that old thing about Abraham's our father. It says the Lord can raise up stones, for, you know, these stones to be children for Abraham. And then what does John go on to say?
1: And now, And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with the water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire.
0: Yes, so again, this idea of repentance. So this is interesting. Don't say we have Abraham for our father. So Abraham is still in the New Testament times. Thousands of years later, still being called Father, Father Abraham, right? Don't say Abraham's our father uh, because God could raise up children for Abraham from these stones. What what is he talking about? Hopefully we'll get back to that in a bit. Turn to the right and go to Luke. Chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Now it's a very, very long chapter. And I want to go to the end of the chapter more or less and Zacharias, you remember he was struck dumb and couldn't speak for a long time and then his son was finally born and uh, given a different name from the father as the angel had instructed and then uh, the father was filled with the Holy Spirit and he said this prophecy and listen to how Abraham comes into this prophecy so let's start at verse 67 there
1: now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, "Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people, and He has raised up a horn of salvation for us, in the house of His servant David, as He spoke by the mouth His holy prophets, we have been since the world began. Then that we would, sorry that we should be saved from the our enemies, and from the hand of all who hate us." To perform our mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. So
0: there's the, the, the mercy promised to our fathers and then go on.
1: The oath which he swore to our father
0: Abraham. See, father, Abraham is still the father. He swore to our father Abraham. We're, we're all under the umbrella of Abraham. Go on.
1: To grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him, All the days of our life. We've seen a few passages,
0: haven't we, where Abraham is associated with living a good life, right? It seems like there's a mention of Abraham and then there's something about how you're obeying and you're following the law and so on. That There's there's a goodness about Abraham that we need to take into account. And then look at Luke 16. I just love this parable of uh, Lazarus and the rich man. Uh, as you may remember, Luke 16 and the parable starts at verse 19. We can skim some of this here. But uh, there's a rich man and there's poor Lazarus who's laid at his gate full of sores and he just wants to eat from the rich man's table. And in verse 22, what happened there?
1: So it was that the beggar died and it was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried.
0: Yeah, so Lazarus gets to go to Abraham's bosom, whereas the other guy is just buried. So it seems like it's a good thing to go to Abraham's bosom. Okay, that's good. And go on.
1: And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in in his bosom. Yes. Then he cried out and said, Father Abraham. Father Abraham. Have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame.
0: And how does Abraham address him?
1: But Abraham said, Son, son, remember yeah. that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus' the evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented.
0: That's right. And then he prays him, uh, that he says to him, look at verse 27. He says, Father, send, you know, send him to my father's house, but Abraham said, "If they, they have Moses and the prophets. And then he says in verse 30, No, Father Abraham, but if someone went from the dead, they will repent. And he said, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Father Abraham, Father Abraham, Father Abraham, all the way through there. So when you die, you go to the bosom of Abraham, and Abraham's this f- father figure, and he says to him, son. He calls him Father Abraham, and Abraham says, son. And and responds to him that way. Very interesting, isn't it? And turn to the right and go to John. Gospel of John. And let's look at chapter 8. And in John 8. Let's start uh, at verse 37. Jesus is having... Oh, yes, right. Uh, this is good. In verse 33, he's having a difficult exchange with these uh, Jewish people. So look in uh, 833.
1: Oh, you want to start at 33? Yes. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free?
0: That's right. And so uh, in verse 37, what does Jesus say?
1: I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word... would has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father and you do what you have seen with your father.
0: Oh, so wait, Jesus is saying Jesus has a father and they're talking about their father and they're two different things. And so what do they say in verse 39?
1: They answered him and said to him, "Abraham is our father."
0: Abraham is our father. That's our father. Abraham is our father. So, what does Jesus say to them? This is very telling, I think.
1: Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. You would do the works
0: of Abraham. See, Abraham is about the doing of good things. If you were truly Abraham's children... So Abraham's children doesn't mean you're blood descendants. It means that you're doing the same kind of things that he did. That's what makes a child of Abraham, isn't it? According to what Jesus is saying there. And then... uh, Oh, let's look down at him. He's saying things about life after death. Look at verse 52 down
1: there. Then the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and you say, If anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death.
0: Yeah, so the greatest people in their tradition, Abraham, the prophets, are dead. And he's saying, oh, you can get around, you know, you can live if you just listen to what I'm saying. So what do they say in verse 53?
1: Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? That's right. And Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say... I do not know him. I shall be a liar like you, but I do know him and keep his word. And you notice it's about two
0: fathers, isn't it? Sort of Abraham as the father versus God the father, quote unquote. Go on. And then he says this astonishing thing.
1: Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? (laughs) Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. So there's this
0: astounding exchange. And you notice that when Jesus is talking about Abraham, he says he's your father. He, he doesn't say he's my father. It's interesting. He's talking about my father, who is God, and, and your father, Abraham. And so they take up stones to throw at him because th- this is blasphemy as far as they're concerned. Oh, um, Let's see. All right. Uh, Okay. Can you scooch toward the back of the Old Testament? If you, Hebrews is about halfway back from there to the Book of Revelation, and right after Hebrews to the right is James, the Epistle of James. And I just want to look at something in here because James talks about why uh, you know about what Abraham did and what sort of person he was. Um, And so this is, again, this is after the resurrection. This is, you got it there. Yeah, it's just, keep going, keep going to the right from there. That's good. Uh, James is, uh, you know, this is after Jesus' resurrection. Yeah, right after that. That's it, you're almost there. And I'm looking for James uh, chapter 2, verse 21, and listen to how James refers to Abraham. What is he saying?
1: Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar?
0: Yes, our father Abraham, and that he was justified by works. Again, this
1: emphasis that Abraham has to do with how you live your life. Go on. Did you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God.
0: All right. Those are, the, those are a, a body of passages that I wanted to look at just to establish that, that Abraham is called a father. He's repeatedly called in the Old Testament and the New Testament. However many people, um, he's called a, a father of them. And uh, this is also, you see that A-B in Abraham, a few times in Scripture, um, it comes up in Mark and in Romans and in Galatians, they actually use the term Abba. They'll say Abba, Father, like that, A-B-B-A, B, B, a, Abba, Father. You can see that that A-B is the same thing, those are the, you know, Abba, Father, um, uh, so that word Ab, Abraham, it has father built right into it. Um, it's interesting that people nowadays, for the last while, uh, have been referring to the Abrahamic religions, by which they mean Judaism. But they believe that uh, Muhammad was directly descended from Ishmael. So that's Abrahamic, and that Christianity, obviously, comes right out of the Old Testament. So Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, are all, they're all monotheistic religions, and they're all referred to as the Abrahamic religions. Uh, if you count up all the people who are at least nominally part of those religions, on this planet right now, it's 3.6 billion people. It's about 54% of the world population. I mean, he's not all the families of the earth but a majority of them <laughs> you know he he's literally like literally you know all these people have descended uh, and religiously uh, from those traditions even though there's obviously not everything about islam and christianity and judaism agree on all points and there are some others the the bahai faith is which is about half the size of judaism is uh, is also considers itself to be um, uh, Abrahamic, they, they, they believe that it was descended from Muhammad and so on, and uh, the belief is that there are some other groups that trace their lineage back to Keturah, uh, Abraham's l- later wife, you know, that, that they, all these descendants, so, you know, so literally there's a sense in which there's this vast family of over half the um, whole human race. But there's one little wrinkle I want to introduce here. Can you go back to Matthew in the New Testament there? Matthew 23. I should mention that 48 times in Scripture, he's called Father Abraham, or Father and Abraham come up in the same verse 48 times. There are 1,511 mentions of fathers in the Protestant Bible. Uh, So father's a big thing in here. But Matthew 23, verse 9, what does Jesus say there? 23,
1: verse 9. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And Wait yet. a
0: minute. So Abraham is repeatedly called father all the time by everybody, by James, by Moses, by everybody under the sun, Jacob and everybody. And yet Jesus is saying, don't call anyone. On earth, your, So, hmm, that's curious. The scripture itself is repeatedly referring to Abraham as a father. And yet Jesus is saying, don't call anyone on earth your father. And it's a little bit like that wrinkle that I mentioned in Isaiah 63, wasn't it? About like Abraham may not, you know, may be ignorant of us. And Jacob may not acknowledge us. The Lord is our father. You know, that's really what father means. Okay. Okay. Um, So, what does Father mean? I just have a few passages, but I want to turn all the way back to Genesis, good and patient friends, and swing through these. uh, Because there's, um, I'll I'll give it away right now. Uh, You may already know the answer. That um, uh, a reason that Swedenborg explains why Abraham and Father, and Abraham has Father right in his name there, is that, abraham means love and father means love they they go together both of those things mean love now someone might justifiably say surely mother means love father means angry raging you know person that you want to get away from or something how does father mean love and not mother well in the language of scripture uh there's always these pairs that have to do with love and truth. And sometimes male and female, male and female are very often love and truth. Uh, and Swedenborg says that if one means love, then the other means truth, whichever way around it is. So man will mean love and w- woman truth sometimes, and then sometimes it'll be the other way around that the woman means love and then the man means truth. And the main thing is that there's a complementarity there, but it can flip around either way. Uh, But also, these sort of male terms of father and son, the father means love and the son means truth. So it kind of hints the fact that it's not about gender, it's about the meaning of it. You know, it's about the meaning behind it. So don't get hung up, if possible, on the idea that this is father and not mother. This is really about the difference between father and son, you notice it says father Abraham. And then he says my son to the, to the person in that parable and so on. And so the father means love. And I was interested in, uh, and I didn't pick all of them. There's like 40 of them. Uh, but there are just little hints in scripture of where father and love occur in the same verse. I wanted to look at just a few of these. In Genesis chapter 27, going all the way back there. Uh, th- these are just, you know, these don't prove anything, but there's a couple of interesting ones in this pile here. 27 verse 9. This is about Rebecca and she's talking, uh, and uh, just anyway, look, look at this verse 9 here.
1: Go to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats and I will make savory food for them, for, from them for your father, such as he loves. He loves. The Father loves. You have Father
0: and love in the same passage. Now, this doesn't prove anything, uh, but it's but there are a lot of these kind of mentions. Look down in verse 14.
1: And he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Such
0: as his father loved. Father and love are together. Look at Genesis 44. Uh, let's go down to verse 20. This is talking about Benjamin.
1: And we said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age who is young. His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him.
0: His father loves him. Father and love there together again. Go to the right through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, into Deuteronomy. Uh, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 7 and uh, go to verse 8. This is a slightly different one where love and father occur in the same verse.
1: But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt.
0: Now, again, doesn't prove a thing, but it's interesting that it says that the Lord loved you and he's going to keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. Love and fathers are in the same verse there. And look at Deuteronomy 30. I found this very interesting, chapter 30 in that same book. Um, This is one of those things where, you know, I've said before you, life and good, death and evil. I command you to love the Lord your God and all that. And look at verse 19
1: down there. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Go on. That you may love the Lord your God, thank that you may obey his voice, And that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to give them.
0: Okay, now I think you get a little closer there again. It's hard to argue it, but it says the whole purpose of this is that so that you may love God, that you may love God, obey his voice, cling to him. He's your life. Uh, The length of your days. And what are you going to get if you do that? That you can dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So uh, short story, I think the land is love, what you get. That's the land that was promised. The land is a state of love. Abraham means that love. And so that's why it mentions you love the Lord your God. And this is what the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because that has to do with love. Um, for another kind of example, let's go through Joshua and Judges as we flip to the right. And 1st and 2 Samuel I want to get to 1 Kings. First Kings chapter 3, verse 3. Which is another passage where you have love and the father together in an intriguing way.
1: And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David.
0: His father David. It
1: could have just said the father,
0: or, or it could have just said David, or it could have said the king, or something. But it says, Love the Lord, walking in the statutes of David, his father. Uh, you know, love and father there together. It's not conclusive. Let's go, keep going to the middle of the Bible. And I want to go after the Psalms. You get all those beautiful Proverbs right there to the right of the Psalms. And I want to go to Proverbs chapter 3. This might be a little clearer. Proverbs 3 verse 12. Oh, 11 and 12. Let's do 3 verse 11 and 12.
1: My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights."
0: Ah, you see? Who the Lord loves, he corrects, and that's like a father, the son in whom he delights. That, that, that That the father means that love. It becomes a little clearer in there. And look at Proverbs 29. This is an interesting one, Cautionary Tale 29, verse 3.
1: Whoever loves wisdom makes his father rejoice, but a companion of harlots wastes his wealth. Yes, there's
0: your contrast, okay? <laughs> this is, do this, don't do that, okay? Mm-hmm. And who, who, what, what is the forth. person who makes his father rejoice is the person who loves wisdom. The father has to do, do with love. And the, those harlots would correspond to what is of evil and falsity. You know? So love and wisdom versus the opposite. Uh, that's what makes the quote-unquote father rejoice. Now go into the New Testament. We'll fly all the way back here to the Gospel of John again. Thank you, good friends. Look at John 3. Verse 35, now it's very obvious in John how often the Father, in other words, Jesus' Father, the Father, with a capital F, is associated with love. I just picked out a few of these. Look at 3.35.
1: The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. Now, you
0: might not know that the Father actually means the divine love there, but there's kind of a hint in that passage. And look at John chapter 5, verse 20.
1: For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Now, you see, there's an affinity between love And what
0: you do, it's like love and actions are related to each other. And so it shows him, the the Father shows him all the things that he does. This is about love. Uh, And the Son here means the truth. The truth is learning from love how to to be love. Uh, In fact, the Lord is in this world to become first a form of truth, and then he becomes a form of love. Uh, uh, Not just any love, but divine love. Look at John 8, verse 42.
1: Uh, How about this? Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceed forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me.
0: Now you see, if you start to entertain the idea that father has something to do with love, then if... God were your father, like if love was in charge of you, you would love me, the Lord says. Because he's an embodiment of the truth. For I proceeded and came forth from God, and I didn't come from myself. Love is what sent him into this world. That's the father that he often says about the father sending. as because love was his mission, and that's why love sent him into the world. Look at John 13.
1: And look at this, 13 verse 1. What do you make of that? Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, Mm. having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Oh, so he's departing out of this world to the Father
0: because he's going to even greater love. You know, he loved his own, who were with him in the world, and he loved them to the end. So he's going, that is him going to the Father, you know? The, the, the Father is, is the divine love that he's becoming one with. And look at 14, verse 21, a very typical kind of passage in John.
1: He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him.
0: Yes. So the
1: Father will be loved by
0: my Father. And you've got sort of a little, everything's in that verse, isn't it? Because it's got the commandments in there. You've got keeping the commandments, like the doing comes from, so how do you love? Oh, you keep the commandments. That's how you love. That's how you love the Lord. And those who love me will be loved by my Father. You know, the divine love will be be loving, and uh, I will love him, will manifest myself to him. So the Lord was in this world to become love itself. All right. So, seems just eminently straightforward, doesn't it, good friends? Um, uh, the, um, that Abraham is a love. The father of multitudes. If you really look at it in a super sort of spiritual perspective, the father would mean the love and the multitudes would be multitudes of truth. It's a little bit like that interesting image could be kind of bizarre from one angle, but Swedenborg explains it so beautifully that Solomon has, what is it, 300 wives and 700 concubines or something like that. And Swedenborg says that that means that the Lord is married to all these different religions. You know, he's married to a thousand different religions, you know, because one love, one love can be present in all these, father of multitudes, right? And, and uh, so that love can be present with so many different forms of truth, father of multitudes, that many different forms of things. So we were talking before about just literally all these descendants, but in this meaning of, of father and love, Uh, that can be the father of everyone. In you, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Not just half of them, you know, all all of them. Because it has to do with that love, and that love has to do with how we live our lives. It has to do with repentance. John said, don't say, oh, Abraham is our father, because the Lord could raise up, to Abraham, children from these stones, well that starts to come a little more into focus, doesn't it? The stone has to do with truth, that if you live by the truth, if you really live by that truth, wouldn't you be a child of Abraham? If you If you did that, and if you're not doing it, you're not really a child of Abraham in the spiritual sense of that, that it's not about love. You know, because the child of Abraham really means love. That's why Abraham is the father of his son. He's the father of the grandson. He's the father of Moses. Hundreds of years later, he's the father of James, you know, thousands of years later uh, because he means that love. The father, Abba, father, uh, means that love. And so that land, the land that is promised to Abraham is a state of love. That's the that's what the Lord promised. And okay, first thing I want, like get in line, first thing you want is to, to be loved. I don't know how you are, good friends. I'm more self-centered than you are, I hope. But but the, the, the first thing you want is like, oh, that's going to be a state of being loved. That that would be great, you know, to be in a world, in the land of Abraham, you know, to, to have. But uh, what the Lord also wants is to sow that love in our hearts so that love is coming out of us. So that, you know, Uh, we are radiating that love. We're living in that love. Uh, You live in that state of loving others and that love is pouring out of you. That's the promised land, right? What could be better than the land of loving and being loved? The, the, The land of a true kind of love coming out of you. That's what Abraham means, and so those beautiful blessings—they're so beautiful—and yet it seems like, did that really get fulfilled? You know, it's like you'll have this, you'll have this land and all these people, and he keeps renewing the covenant and all this stuff. Did that really get fulfilled? Well, if Abraham means love, as Swedenborg says, he does, and it makes perfect sense to me from from all of what we've read tonight. That's the sense in which all those in you, all the nations of the world, shall be blessed in love. Is there a greater blessing? Oh, I'd rather have, you know, revenge. You know, love is the best blessing, right? It's the greatest happiness. All these things are, are but all these blessings are rolled by the Lord into a state of love. Uh, in you all the nations of the world will be blessed. And so that's why everybody is calling Abraham our father and why the Lord, when he's tangling with people, and they say, well, Abraham is our father. And he said, if, if Abraham was really your father, you would, you would love me because Abraham's about love. That's what that means. To be a child of Abraham is to be part of that love. And, um, and that's why the Lord says, my father, because he's talking about the divine love. It's not, he says that Abraham's your, your father kind of thing, because, it, because what the true meaning of that is, is the divine love. And the divine love as it comes down into this world in the form of the Lord. When he was alive in this world, as you may know, uh, he first of all became, the, he came down as the divine truth. He was the word made flesh. The word means divine truth. And over time, what he was doing was was following and being the Word made flesh, he was going through all the things that the Word says to do. You know, that's how he was dealing with the hereditary evil that was in him, and uh, and the result of that whole process, uh, in addition to conquering the hells and all that, uh, by being that divine truth was that he became the divine love. He became the embodiment of, so after his resurrection, he said, I'm not yet ascended to my father, you know, because uh, he, he was going up to become love itself. Uh, fully united, even down to the toenails, you know, a complete embodiment of that love. And now he wants to be with us. So those beautiful Old Testament blessings have not gone out of style, you know, uh, they, we, we just have to understand them the right way. It's not talking about, are you literally, oh, do you have that blood in you? Oh, I don't have that blood, or I don't know, I'll go to Ancestry.com and try to test. With, you know. It's not about that. It's about the love, and it's a love that we get. What did John the Baptist say? You have to go through repentance. You have to go through repentance. That's how stones, that's how the Lord can raise up children of Abraham out of the stones. Take these truths, deploy them in your life, and you will, you will become children of Abraham too because Abraham means love. So in conclusion, the true spiritual meaning why many people in the Bible refer to Abraham as their father is that both Abraham and father mean love. And the state of love, of loving and being loved, is the land of Abraham that's been promised to us all if we want it, if we want it, and if we follow the instructions of how to achieve it. Thank you, good friends, for your kind attention. Let's close with a prayer. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you are the one God of heaven and earth. You are the Word made flesh. We thank you for becoming that divine love in an accessible form for us. Lord, we turn to you in our minds and hearts. We pray to you. We seek you in the pages of your word. Help us, Lord. Help us to go on that journey. Call us away from that idolatry, all the things that we worship and love that are not of you. Call us out of that Father's house of loving all those false idols, the addictions, the the nonsense, the love of self and the love of the world, and call us into your land, your holy land, a land of love, and help us to be a little part of that blessing of Abraham, a blessing to all the nations of the world. Transform us into beings of love so that you can flow through us to others and make this a better world. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom kingdom, and and the the power power, and and the glory forever. forever. Amen. Let's keep on repenting, friends, so Abraham truly can be our father.